And will you take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation will be in several places today. I had prepared most of the week for chapter 17. And then I realized that it would not do to jump into 17 before we regrouped and reconsidered where we were in the book. So my efforts today are very specifically for the purpose of helping us understand where we are in the book, where we've been, where we're going to. That is my hope, just so that we get a good understanding of the book I think a book like this is far too easy to dive deeply into and really have no clue where you are. You just know that you're really deep. I want us to know where we are, why we are where we are. And I did the same thing at a pivotal point between chapters 3 and 4, so I'm doing it here between chapters 16 and 17. So, my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, this morning let's consider the tale of two cities for churches in seven cities. The tale of two cities for churches in seven cities. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless us as we study this book. You have promised your blessing upon those who read it and heed it. So, That's what we pray for ourselves today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Young people, you have seen someone before hold out his hands and say, which one? And you have to figure out which one is which one. What makes this game hard? It's because you don't know what's in my hand. You really wish that I would turn my hands over and open them up and then ask the question, well, which one? That's a fun game that we play that teaches us something as we come to the end of the book of Revelation. Because we come to the end of this book, and I say we come to the end because we have, in concluding chapter 16, we have finished a major portion of the book. This book is split up into four parts, which the parts are broken up by the phrase, in the Spirit, which is a specific prophetic experience that John had. John had different major visions where Jesus Christ showed him things. Come up beginning in chapter 1, verse 10, then chapter 4, verse 2, chapter 17, verse 3, and chapter 21, verse 10. There are four chunks to this book. In the first portion, we saw seven letters to seven churches in seven cities, chapters 2 and 3. And then we've been over recently the largest section of the book, chapters 4 through 16, where we saw seven seal judgments, the seventh of which expanded into the seven trumpet judgments, the seventh of which expanded into the seven bowl judgments. But we've seen Jesus Christ bringing judgment upon those on the earth in seven seal judgments. We open to chapter 17 and chapter 21, and we find two 
cities. That's where we come to. And so far, what have we done? So far, we come to the end of a very large section in chapters 4 through 16, and we find a great deal of finality. It's like the story's been told. We have been signaled again and again, here it's coming. This is the end. So we looked at Revelation 10.7, and it says this, In the days of the trumpet call, to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as been announced by the, his servants, the prophets. So we have this, this announcement of fulfillment. And then the seventh angel, chapter 11, verse 15, blew his trumpet, or loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So when the time comes, even before the exact time of the kingdom coming, but if you would, on that day, in the day of the time period of the seventh trumpet, heaven is rejoicing that the kingdom of heaven is coming to earth and Christ is accomplishing it. And then we see in chapter 16, the end of the chapter, verse 17, the seventh angel pours out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it's done! It's the same kind of feel you have on the cross where Jesus Christ says, it's done, it's finished, the same word. And now we come to the end of all these judgments. We have all this being said that it will be fulfilled, the kingdom will come, and then it said, it's done. And it's almost as if we could come to the end of chapter 16 and think, well, the story is over. But then the book doesn't close with chapter 16. It goes on to tell us more. It tells us about two cities. And it's very, very important that we learn about the tale of these two cities. Because, firstly, this morning, Christ sets forth two cities. The final two cities in the final two visions are the cities of Babylon and Jerusalem. And as we study through these cities, we're going to realize they're opposites. They're contrasting cities. Now, some people think that these cities are imaginary, as if they're not really real places with real people who occupy them. And when I gave the title this morning, The Tale of Two Cities, I don't mean to say that these cities are a fairy tale. I don't believe that at all. It's a literary reference, okay? But it's what is being told of two places, Babylon and Jerusalem. And what we're going to find in part 3 from chapter 17 to 21 is that Christ is going to judge the first city. Let's look in our Bibles at Revelation 17, verse 1. This is where an angel showed John the city that is portrayed as a woman. And you'll have to follow along with me to make sure that you, you get it. Because it can get really complicated quickly if you're not paying attention. So Revelation 17. Today I read from the New American Standard. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls. Remember that's from chapter 17? One of those angels came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, speaking to John, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot. Verse 3. And he, the angel, carried me, John, in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman. The angel said that, He would show him that, and now he sees it. Who's the woman? Look at verse 18, the last verse of the chapter. And what you saw is the great city 
that has dominion over the kings of the earth. This woman is a city. And you say, well, what city is it? Go back to verse 5. It says, on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great. So the first city that is given to us is Babylon. And the history of Babylon goes very far back in, in the Bible, all the way back to Babel in Genesis 10 and Genesis 11. And that was why we had our scripture reading this morning from Genesis 11. Babylon, or Babel, was a city in the land of Shinar along the Euphrates River and was founded by Nimrod, who was the son of Cush, who was the son of Ham, who was the son of Noah. That's what we learned in chapter 10. And what's unique about this city is that it rebelled against God. God had told Noah and his children to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, Genesis 9.1. Notice what happens in Genesis 11.4. This is the story of Babel. It says, Then they said, the people of Babel, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of of the whole earth. Brothers and sisters, this is the beginning of false religion. They have a tower to another God. These people who are made in God's image to reflect His glory all over the globe are not interested in the true God. They are unfaithful to God, their maker. And their spirit of rebellion against God of false worship endures through human history. Babel continues. What is strange is that the word Babel only comes up in Genesis 10 and 11. So we think, how could it be significant at all? Well, as Jared advances the slide here, you'll notice that Babel and Babylon come from the same Hebrew word. So in Genesis 11, you see reference to Babel. Daniel chapter 1, where Israel was taken captive to Babylon, it's the exact same word. Spelled the exact same way. So the story of Babel continues. And when we consider the Scriptures and what we know about locations in the Bible, except for the city of Jerusalem, Babylon occurs more than any other place in the Bible. And its history goes all the way back to Genesis 10. It's the place of false religion. And the book of Revelation pictures Babylon as a harlot. Chapter 17, 18, 19. And that's really a despicable image. But it's a fitting description. Look at chapter 18, all the way back to Revelation. Chapter 18, verse 5. We will be skipping around today. Revelation 18, 5. Of Babylon, it says, her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquity. Babylon is wicked, portrayed as a harlot. And the book of Revelation reveals how it's going to end for the city of Babylon. I need you to follow a, a series of passages in the book of Revelation. All the way back in chapter 14, verse 8, it said this, An angel flies through the heavens and says, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the Great. 
Chapter 16, verse 19, it says, God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. Chapter 18, verse 2, he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons. Chapter 18, verse 10, they, the kings of the earth, they stand afar off. They're watching this from a distance in fear of her torment, and they say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And in verse 21 of chapter 18, a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. The book of Revelation concludes with a city, Babylon, and Christ will judge the great city Babylon who is portrayed as a woman, as a harlot. But Christ also presents another city, and Christ is going to join himself to the second city, which is the last passage, the last portion of the book of Revelation, chapter 21, 9 through the end. This is where the angel shows John a city that's also portrayed as a woman. Look at chapter 21, verse 9. Chapter 21, verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me. The exact same introduction as chapter 17. He said, come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And Jerusalem, like Babylon, has a long history. We recall that it was King David who made Jerusalem the capital city. And this was the location of the temple of God. Jerusalem is the city of God, as it says in Psalm 87, as we sing, glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. That's Jerusalem. That's Psalm 87. And now the book of Revelation reveals that the new Jerusalem will descend from heaven and that God is going to dwell with his people. Look at chapter 21, verses 2 and 3. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and he himself will be with them as their God. So here the city of Jerusalem is described as a bride, as the wife of the Lamb. And what that is showing is that Christ is going to join himself to Jerusalem. And this is a beautiful picture. This is glorious. And it's meant to be set in contrast to the horrific picture of Babylon to the horrific fall and judgment of Babylon. We need to see that this is a contrast, and we need to understand why. And perhaps the simplest way I can explain this for even the young children is this. Consider heaven and hell side by side. There really is a pretty normal response to hearing about heaven and hell. One is favorable one is not. People want to go to heaven. They don't want to go to hell. 
And so Jerusalem is the one that ought to be preferred to Babylon. One is favorable, one is not. And that's how this book ends, with two cities. One that's favorable, one that's not. But as we think about Babylon and Jerusalem, we can't think about these entities, which are places, we can't think of them as simply GPS designations. You're not going to get to this Jerusalem by getting in your car and putting in the GPS Jerusalem. That's not the point of this text, is to go to Jerusalem. The point isn't to decide, you know what, when given these options, I want to go to heaven. Just like we would say, you know what, I want to go to the store. I want to go to my neighbor's house. It doesn't work like that. We don't just get up and go somewhere like that. Well, how do we know? Well, Christ not only gives us two cities at the close of this book, Christ also made promises to the church to seven cities. And that's the second point this morning. Christ made promises to the churches in seven cities. Christ dictated letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. We have to notice that the seven cities had characteristics of Babylon the Great. We were supposed to make connections, having already studied the letters, and having already gone through chapters 4 through 16, and coming into the end of the book. We're supposed to be able to make connections between the conditions in Asia Minor and Babylon. Let me draw some of those for you together. Both of these are full of lies and deception. It says in chapter 18, verse 23, all the nations were deceived by Babylon's sorcery. Babylon tricked them. Babylon lied. Well, the church in the city of Ephesus had people who claimed to be apostles. They were found false. They lied. The cities of Smyrna and Philadelphia had people who claimed to be Jews, and they weren't. Jezebel in the church of Thyatira claimed to be a prophetess. She wasn't. Lies, both in Babylon and in Asia Minor. Both were full of immorality. Chapter 18, verse 3 says, All the nations were drunk with the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And so in the churches of of Pergamum and Thyatira were people who promoted sexual immorality. Both Babylon and the cities of Asia Minor were full of idolatry. Babylon is called a harlot, and that refers to the fact that she goes after other gods. This is replete through the Old Testament. For example, 1 Chronicles 5.25, God said to Israel that they had broken faith with the God of their fathers. They had whored after the gods of the peoples of the land. God was saying that the people's spiritual unfaithfulness was harlotry. And so we find in the church in the cities of Pergamum and Thyatira, people promoting idolatry. Lies, immorality, idolatry, and uncleanness. Revelation 17, 4, the woman, she was holding in her hand a cup, a golden cup, full of abominations and impurities. And then we read of the church in Sardis, Most of them had soiled their garments, chapter 3, verse 4. Beyond that, both Babylon and the churches of Asia, the cities of Asia Minor, they're full of spiritual pride. Revelation 18, 7 says this, and she glorified herself and lived in luxury. So give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, 
And here's what she says in her heart. Here's her pride. I sit as queen. I am no widow. And mourning I shall never see. That reminds you what the people of Laodicea said in, in that church there. They said, I'm rich. I have... I have prospered. I need nothing. Chapter 3, verse 17. So what you see, a bottom line, is that the spirit of Babylon that we read in the end of the book is pervasive in the cities of Asia Minor. We need to draw those connections. And then we need to notice that Christ calls his people out of Babylon. Chapter 18, verses 4 and 5. Christ calls his people out of Babylon. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. You see, while it is true that Babylon, the great city, refers to an end-time city, there is a sense that Babylon exists in every city through human history. That is to say, there is in every city a pull to be unfaithful to God, our Maker, and to indulge in sin. And having said that, God calls His people, come out, come out. That is to say, by default, we don't have an uh, an even option. It's not one or the other. It's you're in one of them, you need to come out to the other one. That's the call. How do we do that? Well, you don't escape Babylon by moving to another physical location. God did not call the churches of Asia Minor to move because Christ has churches in very bad places. Christ has churches in Sin City. For example, Revelation 2.13, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Christ has churches in bad places. He's not calling those churches to go away. Instead, the point is to overcome. The point is to conquer. And that's why at the close of each one of the letters, there is a call to overcome. So Christ is going to tell his people what will happen if they do overcome. Let's go to one of these. Chapter 3, verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. There's one of these at the end of each one of the letters. But what you need to see is that when this promise to the overcomer is given, there's a connection to the new Jerusalem in the end. It says this, chapter 3, verse 12, The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. So Christ teaches those who occupy, those who will occupy the new Jerusalem are those who overcome. Chapter 21, verse 7. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and in context, that heritage is the new Jerusalem. And the ones who overcome will be blessed. Chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. 
Those who, are over, who overcome are the ones who have been washed. That is to say, they're sinful people who need to be washed pure and white through the blood of the Lamb. They have overcome because they have heard the gospel. They have heeded Christ's call to repent. They've turned away from sin. They've turned to Christ. That's what comes up again and again and again in the letters. People who know the Lord, who are headed for the new Jerusalem, are people who repent. Who don't claim to be good, but instead they claim that God is good and gracious to forgive them of all of their sin. Now, having said that, now having set forth what Christ promised to the churches if they would overcome, we have to consider what happens if they don't. Because Christ talked about that too. Christ told the churches what would happen if they didn't. So look back in chapters 2 and 3. Chapter 2, verse 5. Remember from where you've fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not... I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Chapter 2, verse 16. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. And to Jezebel in verses 21 through 23, he said that he gave her a chance to repent. She won't. And because of that, he is going to come against her. Throw her into tribulation. Strike her children dead. Chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Remember, then receive and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. So what you're supposed to get is that Christ has already set up these options that are going to be displayed for us in the end of the book. Babylon and Jerusalem come in the end of the book. But he's already told them about those kinds of things in the letters. He told them what they need to do, how they need to overcome, and what will happen if they don't. He will come against them. He will judge them. What happens if people don't overcome, if they don't repent? They're the cowardly and unbelieving. They'll be defeated and destroyed with Babylon, with the two beasts, with the dragon, and with all the other unrepentant earth dwellers as we go through this book. That's the big picture. The big picture is that the saints need to overcome. Listen to Jesus Christ instead of refusing to repent. Turn to Him. The decision for Babylon or Jerusalem is not a matter of location where you get in your car and go. It directly relates to Jesus Christ. Those who refuse Him and stay in Babylon will suffer the judgment of Babylon. Even those in Asia Minor who are part of a church that preaches the gospel, those who won't repent, they will suffer the judgment. But those who turn to Christ, those who come out of Babylon, leaving behind their sinful ways, they will dwell in the holy city, Jerusalem. Young people, one of the hardest parts about this is you don't know what you're going to get with what hand you pick. So what we have in the end of the book, instead of a blind guess 
at what you're going to get. Jesus says there's two options. Look at them. Which one do you want? You might say, well, I want that one. He says, okay. And it's in the letters to the churches that he explains how you get it. You have to be an overcomer who leaves sin, who goes to Christ for forgiveness, and who lives a life of repentance. That's what we find at the end of this book. Father, as we close, we ask that you will help us, that you will make some of these matters before us that can be incredibly complex, simple for us. May we understand what a pull there is in every place to remain in sin and to not turn to Jesus. We see it in our neighbors all the time. We see them despise his name and take it in vain. Father, we pray that you would challenge our hearts to, again, consider our relationship with Jesus Christ, the only Savior. And we pray that we would be people who do not hide our sin and cover it. We pray that would be people who come to you and repent of our sin, confessing it. And Lord, as we cling to you, may we have every confidence that we are the overcomers then, that we are those who will be a part of the new Jerusalem. We are those with whom you'll join yourself. We are your bride. And what a joyous picture, what a joyous promise you hold forth for us. May we really rejoice in it and encourage us with it. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.